podcast mind body and spirit the way is a community of believers established with the sole purpose of serving others i will be your host doug sauer and each week we bring in key leaders of the way to discuss healing of the mind body and spirit through the lord jesus christ all the members of the way want to sincerely say thank you for listening each week and look forward to building a strong positive faith-based community together with you and so without further ado let's join in this week's episode Hey, how's it going, everyone, and welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Doug Sauer, and the group is super excited that this show is officially our first episode. And to kick it off, we have Lisa Eden and, as always, Sheila Muller. Lisa is a licensed clinical social worker and specializes in the mind portion of the retreats. And her knowledge in the field is not only amazing, it's extremely uplifting and motivating at the same time. And so, Lisa, for the listeners out there, go ahead and give them a little background about yourself and how you got to this point. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, I am married. Mike and I have been married for almost 30 years, and we have three beautiful children, Molly, who's 27, Matt, who's 21, and Justin, who's 11. And Molly's married, so I also have a son-in-law. Pretty exciting home life. Never a dull moment at the Eaton's. We raised Border Collies, so that's always fun, too. Um, We moved, uh, well, I moved out. Mike's always lived out in Lincoln County, but I moved out to Winfield when we got married. So I've been in Sacred Heart Parish since then. I'm still stuck on on what you said before. What do you raise? Border Collies. What is that? Like an elephant or a giraffe? Oh, it's a dog. It's a breed of dog. I got you. I'm not... I'm not a dog guy. A herding dog. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, that's cool. So tell me a little bit about uh, your role with the way and the things that you cover when you're on the retreats. Okay. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So um, I talk a lot about um, how the mind is affected, just how we're all connected, mind, body, spirit, how it's all connected in, in my section is kind of the mind and the things that come into our mind like fear and insecurities and nervousness to be nervousness like I am now exactly (laughs) yeah all of those all of those things but also that were created by God for connection to connect to each other and so best way to connect with each other is to be vulnerable which is scary and hard so the fear and the anxiety is scary, but you can create some pretty incredible connections with other people if you share stuff that you struggle with. So that's part of kind of my role in the way is just to try to help people talk about that and try to help people be aware about their own emotions and their own journey and sharing that, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it helps you to connect better with others and to yourself and then ultimately to God. Do you mind if I talk about the first night you were going to share about shame <laughs> and being vulnerable <laughs> and how hard that was for you personally? The, sure. Yeah, so like a huge part of, you know, when we got this kind of going was that we were going to have 
like a really hard night, you know, like a really hard night where we were going to hear about like hard stuff, not that we were all going to get in a circle and cry, but that we were just going to hear about like really hard stuff, like shame, you know, like the things that make us like kind of make your skin crawl to think about, you know, that, yeah, that's in me. I, I avoid it. I don't go down there. I don't go down that road or whatever. And Lisa was going to share about shame and vulnerability. And she said, <laughs> when we got to the retreat, she's like, I almost called you and was like, listen, you're going to have to have someone else give this talk because I suck at vulnerability. <laughs> like it makes my skin want to crawl. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm not in. It's true. It yeah, it's true. And it's true. Like, I can talk about it in the abstract pretty easily. I know a lot right. about it. But, yeah, to actually right. be vulnerable, I was like, I am totally unworthy of talking to these women about being vulnerable when I can't even do it myself. Yeah. It is. It is really hard and scary. And I think, too, like, just to put anyone's mind at ease, as far as the retreats go, we are definitely not sitting in circles and sharing stories necessarily. That's not kind of how it goes. It's more that Lisa shares what it means, which would be kind of cool to do tonight, like what it means to be, to have shame and what it means to be vulnerable. And then, you know, we have an opportunity to to journal and do some kind of like introspective diving. And then, you know, we have an opportunity to go and punch something really hard. It's a great combination of things. That's yeah, always that's a beautiful Doug. thing. Punch Doug. Yeah, it's great. Really, really hard. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can definitely feel uh, your pain there, Lisa, because, uh, the first time that I was there, that was probably one of the most, you know, just completely uncomfortablest thing I could possibly do. I was crawling out of my skin just because I didn't know really what to expect. And I'm the only guy and just I I felt like they all were like staring at me with hate because I was a guy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why are oh. you here? Right. Girls. <laughs> right. But I think to me, it, it just seems like everything that I've ever done that I get so nervous about or almost to the point where you're going to throw up or and you just get so much anxiety when you get ready to do something and then you do it. And it's just like, ah, that's just, it's like a breath of fresh air. So I'm always looking for something that just scares the crap out of me. You know, it just seems like you grow. Absolutely. Absolutely true. It is the only way, yeah. right? We really don't grow or change or get better when things are fine. We grow and change and get better when we're challenged um, or when things are bad. Challenge yourself right. if everything's fine, right? If we're just right, everything's all good, then yeah, then we That's don't really grow. Gregory, yeah, St. Gregory said sin happens whenever we refuse to keep growing. So true. So true. You sit in that, you know, like, Another cool idea is a false sense of security is the only kind there is. There is no security, you know, and to just sit in your little current situation and refuse to kind of step outside and do something crazy that scares the heck out of you, you know, is um, that's just a way to stay stagnant. It just yeah. seems like the more that you are, I guess, content and comfortable, I think that's the worst place you can possibly be at, at, at any time. Because yeah. when everything is good and, and you're comfortable and you're just going, you just end up basically going through the motions. And in my opinion, you're not yeah. growing, you're not learning just like a one-way street. You're not really going anywhere else, just straight ahead. Yeah. Right. And so Lisa, could you explain a little bit about your occupation and what your day-to-day -day basis looks like? Yeah. So um, for about 30 years now, I've been a licensed clinical social worker doing therapy with kids and couples and adults. So basically, I just help people on their journey and help people understand themselves better so that they can make 
choices in their life that they want to make. So in your opinion, whenever the women come into the retreats, what, what do you think their biggest obstacle is? Uh, you know, I know everyone is different and everyone has their problems and issues and things that they want to straighten out or work out and go through. But what do you think the biggest thing that, that you have seen from the women that come to the retreats? That's a great question. I think it is shame. And I think it is feeling not worthy. That became really evident at, at one of our, just one of, one of the things that we added to the second, re, wasn't it the second retreat, Sheila? Or the third, the last one? Added, was it the last one, the third one, where um, it was almost every single woman, the thing that they struggled with and the thing they wanted to let go of was feeling not good enough. Feeling yeah. not worthy, feeling not good enough. That was, I mean, it was across the board. <laughs> every sure. single, right. really, just about every single woman, that was the one thing that they really wanted help with, is being able to let that go. Let that, I'm not good enough. And, and I'm not good enough could mean anything. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough person. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough daughter. I'm not a good enough whatever. Fill in the blank. But that was, most of us struggled with that. Thing, the exact thing that I struggled with two days before the retreat even started when I almost called Sheila and said, I don't even know why you're having me do this. I'm not, I'm not good enough to do this. I, no, I am not worthy yeah. to do this. I cannot talk about shame and vulnerability when I can't, I can't do it. I think it's just a human. I don't even think it's just women. I think it's just a human, one of our crosses to bear. Yeah, striving to be better, um, but feeling like, wow, who am I? Like, am I even worth it? No, I was just going to say, that's exactly how I feel about this podcast. You know, I listen to my voice and I just think like, who am I doing this? You know, who am I kidding? Why am I doing this? Or what am I doing this for? And it's really true. That is, that's really just that, that voice in your head that you think is the calm, rational side of you. And it's not, it's not, it's your ego trying to keep you small, you know? And as long as you're willing to listen to that, that pesky, like mean voice that says you're not good enough, then, then you do, you stay stagnant, you, you kind of bad mouth or give a dirty look to other people who are trying to grow and change and be better. And, uh, and that's just no place to live. You know, it's no place to live at all. It right. says in uh, and the way to become a saint is to lovingly submit myself to every situation and trust in the grace of God. And that's it to lovingly submit to even my own defects of character, which is the hardest thing to do, you know, to know what it is that you're not doing well enough and also submit to that, you know, that's sanctifying, but to not even take, a minute to to do the things that God intended for you to do because you're gonna you know pridefully say who am I to do that yeah you're wasting your wasting your gifts I mean we all are right right and the bottom line is God created us perfectly and if we just let Him work through us we'll be good we'll be golden we'll we'll be able to share His love to others in the world the book Ego is the Enemy that was a great book that uh, had a lot yeah. of good insights and it was. Perfect, basically. Yeah, I haven't read the book you're talking about, but the ego is, is so huge because I think like many of us, probably most of us habitually listen to our egos, which to me, like when no one is talking to you and you're by yourself and you're rehashing something that happened and you say to yourself like, God, oh, it was so stupid. I can't believe I did that. So there's a voice that's talking and there's a voice that's listening. So that's two people, right? And the voice, I always think that the voice that's talking is like the voice of reason that's good for me. That's like God saying, yeah, shape up. And then the voice that's listening is kind of like me, like the idiot, dumb kid I was in school, like being, you know, told what to do. And it's the opposite of that. 
It's like the voice that's being attacked is really you. That's your true self. And the voice that's attacking is your ego. I mean, it is your ego or, you know, I can't think of the guy's name who wrote a really cool book called The Alter Ego, and he calls it the enemy, but I don't think in a religious sense. But in in our case, I mean, we agree. Yeah, that's the devil. <laughs> that's temptation. You know, that ego voice is that that has absolutely no place in your in your head. And if you're habitually listening to it, you're just going to stay small. But as humans, it's it's in our head almost all the time. So it's a constant battle, really. Yeah. And so yeah. the way really helps helps us to really focus on what's important, which is you know, the mind, the body, the spirit, the connection to each other, the connection to God, the connection to ourselves, give ourselves some grace, and every day, hopefully, choose to make good decisions, choose to reach out to others, choose to mm-hmm. do God, God's love through us to others and to ourselves. So what type of yeah. activities when you're at the retreats do you do with the ladies? We do a really cool activity um, with rock that are pretty heavy. And after, you know, I give a talk about shame and vulnerability. Much of my talk is from Brene Brown. I don't know if you've read any of her books, but she's brilliant. Um, love, love her. She's done lots, extensive study on shame and on vulnerability. So I give like a brief talk about that. And then each woman gets a pile of rocks and on their rocks, they get to write their shame or their sin or their things that they are struggling with their crosses that they are bearing. It can be pretty powerful. But it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of heavy work done with the rock. But I think what we're both trying to say is it's all connected. So we do the heavy mind emotional work, and then we go right to the physical work. And then we also do some spiritual work then. So all of it's connected, mind, body, spirit, just like the first commandment. I know Lisa and I've had this conversation so many times when she's working out because she works out in the gym with me. And we'll be talking about, you know, like a habit that you have, for example, squatting. Like she has a habit squatting. She tends to, um, <laughs> she has really tight hips. Well, on my to, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Her feet <laughs> crash. And she, so she just has a, a challenging time, just like we all do. Um, and, and I'm sure it's movement patterns that she's had for a really long time. And your body just doesn't forget. You know, you, you think you're going to hold yourself in a certain way to avoid pain. And then your body doesn't forget. So then you continue to squat as if you need to avoid that pain. But the pain is long healed, but you continue to squat that way. And so it leads to, you know, other imbalances in the body. I mean, that's just how your body works. That's functional movement. Um, but Lisa and I have talked so many times about exactly how our hearts work, too. Like, you know, we develop these ridiculous mannerisms and ways of rolling our eyes at people and doing things that keep people at a distance because we remember something probably from junior high school that was painful, you know, and and then it never goes away and you're a 40-year-old woman and you're still behaving in these kind of mean-spirited ways. And and at one point in time, you develop that as a way to protect yourself, but like that ship has sailed, <laughs> you know, but you're still doing it. So yeah, there's yeah. the connection, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So Lisa, as far as whenever you're at the retreats, what type of transformations do you see in these ladies by the time that they leave? Yeah, it's it's beautiful, really. Just the openness, the comfort level with each other, the comfort level with themselves. It's really, it's amazing just in a couple of days how that happens and how connected they are to each other. Like many of these women have never met each other before. They've certainly never met us or certainly not at this deep level. And it's pretty, pretty darn cool just to see and to feel just that beautiful connection and acceptance of just ourselves just total acceptance. So pretty amazing. 
It is neat. It's neat because, you know, sometimes you can't get to the root of, of what emotion, you know, is, is really down there, like holding you down or kind of stagnating your true self, like your authentic self without moving physically. You know, sometimes like you'll be on a walk. Don't you think, Lisa, like you'll be on a walk oh, yeah. before something in your heart moves, you know, or before something, before some, something kind of changes in your, and so, yeah, by the end of, you know, just a few days of, like having an opportunity to journal and to hear some pretty empowering ideas from Lisa and to move your body, you know, things start to sort of not only surface, like it's, and it's, but really like go away, you know, just disappear, just kind of vanish. Like you, you feel like you've lost 20 pounds You get lighter. That's one thing I definitely right. notice on the women's faces. They just look so much lighter and less tight. You know, the opening remarks, I hate the first talk because Everyone's just staring at me like, this better be good. You know, and by Sunday, everyone just looks like they're already in heaven. Like, everyone's faces look so, like, calm and joyful and, you know, just ready for the next thing. And, uh, you know, you're coming out of the world. I mean, the world is just bashing us around all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's like working out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it could be the movement. It could be the talks. It could be the rocks. It could be music. It could be a prayer that we pray. It could be a million different things that happen on the retreat. It could just be being outside in nature um, and connecting with nature. It, there's there's so many different ways the movement of the Holy for these Spirit. women to express themselves, right, and to have, right, God work through, the, through us, through the Holy Spirit. And so I think for each woman it's a little bit different, but so many beautiful opportunities for it to happen in so many different ways. Like so many people, like when we do music, um, there'll be like a line from one of the songs and they'll just start crying. Or during mass, we have a beautiful mass. Or during the mass, it's it's really moving. And it's just cool. It's just cool to feel that beautiful energy and for everyone to feel connected to each other and accepted for who she is. Yeah, I think being on a journey with more than four people, always it's always weird at first. And by the time that you've gone through everything and it's just like you you form a new relationship and a new connection and helps carry on i guess after the event's over absolutely yeah definitely yeah and i think like in a really small way that's kind of what the facebook page helps with a lot because it's easy just to you know get a look like get a quick little uplifting thought from the way you know on facebook two weeks after your retreat and you get back to your job which is challenging and your family which is challenging and all those things and Maybe just brings a little bit of that back, you know. No, absolutely. I think that and the DNS Rosary once a month, I think, does too, because I think you get this kind of retreat high, like when you're done with a retreat. Yeah, and, and you do, yeah. you're just feeling really great and feeling really holy. And then, like you said, like life happens, right? Stressors in life come back and um, kind of reality hits. So it's so great to have the Facebook page or to have the monthly DNS Rosary so that you can just kind of touch base again with just the beauty of connection and the beauty of God through us. It's, it's awesome. I totally agree with, with that 100%. And you don't really realize yet, like I had said before, the power of podcasting. And this is going to be a huge opportunity for all of you ladies back on the right track. Just yeah. listening to your voice and just listening to some guidance and some tips will help them out tremendously, in my opinion. 
Yeah, just hopefully yeah. just to stay connected. I mean, and not just connected like, oh, yeah, we're all friends now. We're going to go, you know, to the wine bar every other Saturday or whatever, but connected in, as in like, no, don't you remember we talked about this on retreat? You're not just the sum total of what you look like and how much money you make. That just has absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, you're, you're a beautiful, beautifully, intricately connected human person on a really important mission from God. You know, that's a big deal. So after the retreat is over, what do you share with them before they leave? I think the experience for them is just so moving and so beautiful for them that their hearts are a little more wide open when they leave. So I think just encourage them to stay connected, to stay in touch with their selves and their minds and their hearts and each other. Yeah, give an idea of of what you mean by staying connected to your own heart, though, because I've heard you say some cool stuff about that. Just knowing yourself, really looking at, wow, I just reacted this way. Why did I react way? Kind of what's underneath that or what feelings or thoughts are beneath that. Just to really know yourself, so much easier than to connect with other people. Um, But if we're hiding or if we're really just feeling shameful, feeling unworthy, Uh feeling like people aren't going to love us or accept us, then we kind of stay kind of hidden in ourselves. And then it makes it really difficult to connect with others and ultimately with God. Very well said. Yeah, very well said, which is, which is totally crazy. So really, we are made and designed for connection. That's what we're designed to do. So of course, that's what we're always trying to do. We're always trying to get connected, you know, because that's what we're made for. But then if we just right. hate ourselves, I mean, but if it's we just scary. It's scary it because scary. we're afraid of being rejected. One of the biggest fears is being rejected. And we have, yeah. you know, I'm sure in our lives, all of us have history of being rejected or having someone, you know, roll their eyes at us or even be outwardly mean to us or shun us or not invite us to parties when we were kids or not ask us out on a date or, you know, all of those things. And all, you know, kind of what I often say to clients that we are kind of made up of every interaction we've had our whole lives, right? And I think every single interaction in our whole life changes us just a little bit. And if we can be aware of kind of the emotions and the thoughts and the feelings that come up for us when we're in certain situations, it's so much easier than, like like I said before, to connect with other people. Yeah, just what you said there, that's extremely powerful. That's for sure. Because totally. that's an, it's in everybody. For sure, the hardest thing to possibly deal with when you try to make changes you always kind of like go straight back to where you were and you absolutely went nowhere if you know if that makes any sense well and stress right and then when you're stressed we all we always go back to our default like right so even if we do all this emotional work and we really feel like okay i am on the path i am on the i'm i'm fighting the good fight and i'm on the journey and i'm doing really well and then like some stressful things in our life happen or we lose someone that we love or and it sometimes just puts you right back into our old habits and our old thoughts and our old shame and our old you know feelings that we're like man I thought I conquered that already but the cool thing is every single minute we get to choose so you get to choose even if you slide back or even if you really fall into that shame place the next minute you can choose to love yourself again you do understand yourself again that's so beautiful but i think like what lisa just said that's what it means to be on the way it's just to be aware number one that that's how you are because it's how we all are you know we're all we've all been bashed around by the world and so being on the way only means that you've had an opportunity to be introspective and take a look at what's inside your heart and to remember that you're made for connection and then to also become aware every time you 
recognize that you're having those old thoughts and feelings again that, oh, yeah, I haven't done anything creative in the last two weeks. I haven't prayed forever. I haven't, you know, done anything kind for myself or I haven't, you know, all the things that move my body taken. Move my body. Yeah, I haven't moved without, you know, I mean, I think one of the most horrifying things for, for physically being on the way is a, um, those stupid, like, step counters, you know? It's like, oh, I got to get in this certain number of steps today. That's my productivity. That's my goal. It's like, no, go for a walk because it's beautiful outside and it feels great to move, not because of some end goal. Because all you're right. doing is making, making yourself, again, utilitarian, and you're completely taking away your humanity. You're making yourself robotic, you know? It's like our culture has taken even the most wonderful, simple pleasure of going for a walk and turned it into something ugly and productive, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. No, absolutely. I agree with that. I feel like goals are hard to deal with sometimes because a lot of people will make goals and they get all these plans. And then two days later, the I guess the excitement of it and you know the whole drive is gone. Yeah, or it life really takes did. over and right. you don't make the time for it. And then you have shame that you didn't do it. Like, oh, this was my goal and then I didn't do it. And then the shame kicks in. And then you go right back to so I like the word are. intention better than goal, actually. Because the thing is, and truthfully, the goal has to be sanctity. The goal has to be heaven. Number one, heaven for myself, for my spouse, and for my kids, or if you're not married, for heaven for yourself and for the people that you love. I mean, that has to be the goal. If that's not the goal, it doesn't matter. No other thing that you strive for is going to be right. It's just not. You can make a million dollars. It's not going to make you happy if you've taken your eyes off the appropriate goal, which is heaven. It is, but the simple and easy answer to that is love. Yeah. It's love, and the way is all about love. It's about um, love of self, love of love of others, and love of God. And if if we keep that just sim- if we keep it simple, love. Like how can we love? But like Matthew Kelly says, you know, it's it's all about doing the very next good thing you can do. Do the next best thing. Yeah. What's the next? Okay, now I'm in this situation. What's the best thing I can do for God? for the kingdom, for other people, for my neighbors? What's the next best thing I can do right now? What's the next best thing I can do right now? What's the next best thing I can do right now? And all of a sudden, you know, you look back on a week and you go, man, you know, I achieved many things (laughs) or maybe not. I mean, maybe you had a horrible week, but you'll be able to see, you'll be able to see God in it. You know, I mean, I don't mean a horrible week, but maybe you didn't have a really financially productive week, but you'll see God in it. And then you look back at it over a month and you think like, yeah, my goal had only been to make money that past month. All I would have now is money. And usually in my case, I don't know about you guys, but if my goals, if my perspective isn't right, if my eyes aren't set on heaven, even if I make money, I blow it on dumb stuff because I'm unhappy, you know, because I'm, I'm not joyful because I haven't been serving the kingdom. So the, the whole idea of, of setting goals, you know, it, it has to, and I don't mean to say like give an excuse for being lazy or not setting goals. Like you definitely, you know, you're, you're going to work your hardest because you're working for God. And so money comes like on its own, you know, happiness comes on its own. All those things come on their own. But when they're, when they're the goal, rather than heaven being the goal, then they don't necessarily come with joy. I think the biggest thing about being happy, I think a lot of people blame their environment or their circumstances. And I'm one of those. And I'm, that's why I'm asking the question. I constantly blame everything for being unhappy. And it just seems like what, the more that I, I read and the more that I study is, it pretty much starts with you. Ultimately, all we are in control of is ourselves, really. 
Um, we can't control how other people treat us. We can't control much of our environment around us. Like we really can only control ourselves. And then depending on what is going on around us, it will create a lot of different emotions. Sometimes it's happy. Sometimes it's sad. Sometimes it's angry. But then we get to choose what to do with all those emotions that come up for us. Yeah, a lot of the work that I do is just about... Yes, listening to people when they talk about this happened to me and this person did this to me and this was hurtful. And that's helpful to talk about that. Absolutely helpful. But ultimately, I get to choose what to do with that. I get to choose what to do with those hurts. And just continuing to blame other people, well, if she only would have done this or if he only would have done this or if this system would only be like this, yeah, that's probably all true. But I don't have any control over any of that stuff. I have control over what I choose to do. Absolutely. Very well said. I, I feel like throughout this year, talking to you, I'm probably after each show, I'll end up sending you a check um, <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I got so much to talk about in my brain. I, I mean, this is one of my favorite already. <laughs> good. But I mean, you know, I, it's just a lot of struggles that I have. I know a lot of people out there have, and I think you're going to be a person that's really going to give a lot of people, you know, just a different outlook on, on life and, and how to deal with it for sure. Oh, thanks. I think that one of the things with the, with the way that we, we really talked about is, you know, the how to fix your life in 10 easy steps that's been around since the nineties and it doesn't work. People are miserable. You know, that the whole idea of like, of just how to take these next set this particular goal and take these steps towards achieving it. People who, who do that, it, that, that's no guarantee of happiness at all. And some happy people might share their success. And so other people try to emulate that and they make that their goal to be like that, that person that they admire. But truthfully, it, it doesn't work. If it worked, everybody would be happy because the 10 simple steps are everywhere. You know, They're everywhere. And people are not happy. People are miserable. People are so addicted to opiates. People are so disgruntled with their jobs. People are so unhappy in every aspect in their marriages and in church hopping and so many different just things that's clear in the in the world that people are are just not content well lisa and sheila i think this was an outstanding first episode for the way and gives the listeners some insight as to what to expect each week from here on out currently we're available to listen on anchor.fm and spotify here shortly we'll be on apple itunes breaker Castbox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And once again, thank you all for listening, and we will see you back next week. And Lisa and Sheila, I will talk to you soon. Thanks, right. Doug. Thanks, Doug. Love see you, Sheila. Doug. All right. Love you, girl. <laughs>